All righty. Cool. So let us begin. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Cinema Studs Five-Year Review. I am your host, Valente Martinez. We are recording live from the First Nations land of the Kumaye, sunny San Diego. I am your host. And with me, I have another full panel of our great studs. Yes, sir. Um, Alonso Martinez, brother of Valente Martinez. And we got, uh, yeah, again, a full crew over here. Alex Vega here, um, student of, of cinematographers everywhere. Very excited to be here. Can't wait to talk about our movie today. Got a lot of great stories. I'm Aaron Ramirez. Um, I am one of Valente's friends, and I do RT farty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I'm Matthew Javier Rodriguez. I am an aspiring nursing student and film preservationist, and old Hollywood extraordinaire. That's right. And uh, freaking Aaron, why do you keep putting yourself down like that? <laughs> you keep saying that. I'm just a friend or something. I'm just having that crisis now. You, you're a graduated individual now, darling. Promote it. Promote that shit. Yeah, you can graduate Aaron Ramirez. Aaron. Exactly. Congrats. Congrats to our graduates. I mean, he's literally known Alex longer than I've known him. Yeah. <laughs> And like he's walking in here like he's a stranger to everybody <laughs> but that's okay though because today we are speaking on 2015's straight out of compton this is the movie released in august of 2015 and uh i'm about to ask if anybody's seen it who has anyone seen this did anybody miss it did anyone just not want to see it uh, i saw it um not when it was released but like probably a year after um i'll get into the story maybe in a little bit about when i did attempt to go see it the first time but yes the second viewing was really good so i it, we'll get into that in a second but yeah this is this is my second time watching it and it's still really good okay yeah. i saw it two years i want to say after it came out and it was one of those every once in a while, like I'll watch like a movie at like midnight. And this was one of those. And so I honestly don't remember. Like I remember the plot clearly. I don't remember like specific scenes that well before I saw it recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Matt? And then I saw most of it, uh, surprisingly, when I was on a shift once working at the hospital, because I was in, I was sitting for a patient. Um, I had to observe a patient and so me and the patient literally just watched the entire pretty much the entire movie um <laughs> this is back maybe like 2019 it's a lot of fun yeah okay that's interesting <laughs> it was experience it was experience another question um I just literally pulled this out of just the top of my head right now did any of you guys I mean we're all from California right mm-hmm. born and raised here yeah mm-hmm. so, <laughs> oh well, I'm just out of curiosity did you guys know about NWA before the movie yeah for sure i remember when when it was like coming out it felt like everyone just like came out of the woodworks like as nwa fans like (laughs) like almost like i don't know it was like it was like i'm sure a lot of people know about them and then when the movie was getting released it was like rehype of like the, the original nwa album 
and it was it was really cool to see because like I I was like I was really into like rap and like a lot of it was like gangster rap at, at the mm -hmm. time and so like NWA was like the forefront of like my introduction mm -hmm. to it so that was really cool when I heard the movie was coming out I was like super hyped um like getting ready to see it and then it seemed like like people who I like didn't even know listen to rap were like oh my god NWA movie like about to come out and like <laughs> every lyrics are like straight out of Compton or fuck the police and it was like it was like a, it was like a sight to see it was crazy <laughs> yeah I, I knew who they were um it was kind of I didn't really know them too well it was just one of those kind of like hip-hop groups from the 90s that you hear about you know but I do remember like because I knew who Ice Cube was and who Dr. Dre was and then growing up some of my friends did like a we would make like these like family trees that were like they weren't real like they were just kind of like oh like so-and-so are married they have this person as a kid or whatever and like the grand dad like on the very top of that tree was easy <laughs> so, like, that was my introduction to him <laughs> i know <laughs> um i definitely knew of them so i saw um the ice cube movie that he starred in um with Cuba Gooding Jr. like in 91, uh, Boys in the Hood. Oh, so I saw that and I remember after I saw that like on TV, my dad was like, oh, you should listen to like NWA. And I was like, a, I think I was like maybe nine or 10 around then. He's like, yeah, listen to NWA, straight up comp and fuck the police. I was like, okay. And it's really funny because my dad is like racist, like Republican, like homophobic, anti-Semitic, everything. But yeah, he's like, yeah, I loved NWA. And I was just like, who, what? Okay, cool. That's such a crazy juxtaposition. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, people have levels. <laughs> you missed the point of like almost oh, every single- um, ex Exactly. Uh, yeah. media. <laughs> like, like you think um, Fortunate Son is about being a badass. It's it's like it's <laughs> people are opposite, you know? <laughs> It's a song. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the culture racist. <laughs> culture <laughs> racist. Exactly. No, I know. He would all. Yeah. That, we'll, we'll have another podcast about that. But <laughs> he, he was the kind of guy that like he was. He would wear like hats, like the you know, like the the Britney Spears or the Justin Timberlake, like what do they call like those little like hats the fedoras thank you yeah. and he would be like matthew i invented that before britney spears did it on her hotel onyx tour and i was like how do you know what tour was the hotel <laughs> how do you know this dad like i'm questioning i'm questioning i'm just writing that down because that is going to be a, um, a really dope roundtable discussion um, family, family cinema oh my gosh love it family cinema because that's true because my mom is responsible for for me loving marty scorsese because mm. yeah yeah we'll talk about that on that podcast but cool so uh yeah i mean i i me i was I, I i'm like right there with alex uh i saw this like we me and Alonso saw this opening weekend right mm -hmm. opening weekend i was super hyped i think this is the last movie i ever watched the trailer for because i was just i couldn't help myself this is like i'm so excited for this movie but uh saw it loved it then and i was a little nervous going back into it because i wasn't sure how i was gonna feel about it because i hadn't seen it really since then and uh but yeah we're gonna we're gonna step into uh our first impressions um well what did uh uh, after I mean, we could talk about Alex. We could talk about your first time you're viewing it. What were your first impressions about it? 
All right, real quick, the, the story about me going to watch this movie on opening weekend was um, right when I was getting my license. Um, Ooh, that's a beautiful so, time. Yeah, so it was, I think it, it came out the summer that we graduated, if I'm correct, because I was getting my license, like, I think after high school. And mm-hmm. so when the movie was out, I had my, my permit to, to drive, but not my license yet. Like, ah. it, was being, it was being mailed to me. And it was like the only like real form of ID I had. And you had to bring your ID to go see a 17 plus movie. And the and at the time I had my college ID too. I remember that as well. I think I had come back from college, want to go see it with my friends when it was coming out. And so I tried to use that to, to say like, hey, I'm 17 plus, like here's a college ID. But she's like, oh, it doesn't have your name on it. And then I go back to my car. I'm like, oh, this permit says my birthday and how old I am. So I bring the ID and I bring the permit and it's like, look, this is me. Like I'm, I'm of age and they rejected me. They rejected selling me a ticket. Like they didn't want to, they didn't want to sell me one. And so my friends are like, oh, we'll just buy you one. Like we're, we're of age, we have ID, but they wouldn't let them buy it unless they were 21 plus because you can't buy someone else's ticket unless you're 21 or older. So I didn't get to see the movie that day and I just went to go uh to yogurt land with a few of my friends so that kind of sucked and then like five of them like stayed to watch and like three of them came with me to to just go get something to eat instead so that was that was the first experience trying to go watch the movie and i ended up watching it like maybe a year later damn that sucks yeah, yeah. unfortunate we would have seen it would have seen it a lot earlier but we got around to it aaron matt what about you guys uh, first impressions from what you remember? God, I don't know. I mean, well, I was also on the clock while I was watching it. Yeah, so so I, I'm pretty sure um, on edge. <laughs> just, uh, for, yeah, just for waiting for anything that could go wrong. Yeah, no, it was it was, it was great. Um, but literally, I just remember it was just me and my patient were pretty transfixed on the TV. And I like. I guess I for, had forgotten about this film. Like it was out of my social consciousness. And then seeing like the, like, you know, the people playing Ice Cube and Dr. Dre on the screen. Was, and I know who they are. I've like seen their faces thousands of times. And I was just like, they're so young. Like what, what year was this film? Like, I'm not sure. Cause I thought it was them. I thought, cause the, whoever casted Ice Cube and Dr. Dre got them down to a T. Even Suge Knight looks like Suge Knight. When I was just like, wait, what? But I, I was also like, is this from the 90s? But this is so crystal clear. And then it became apparent to me, I was like, oh, this is a documentary film about NWA. Um, and so I just, I don't know. I just, I, don't, I remember just enjoying it. And it was a fun little diversion that me and my patient could share together. I was going to say, uh, the guy who plays Ice Cube in the movie is actually Ice Cube's son. So oh, cool. there you go. Uh, <laughs> but... Somebody's gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, like again, I saw this movie like at midnight, and like I. Why did you do later. that? It's a two and a half hour movie. <laughs> I, I watched the whole thing. So. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I remember liking it. Like it, it felt because I think this was like right before a24 films really took off so this kind of felt like it's not produced by a24 mm-hmm. but it really felt like it was like a24 before a24 oh. um so it has that vibe for me but i liked it like 
I I didn't know too much about the group, so it was really cool to kind of see it all happen. Like I remember, I knew like little things. Like I knew that Ice Cube left, and I knew that Easy died. At, I mean, at the end, <laughs> but yeah. um, I liked it. I just don't remember. I honestly don't remember my thoughts with it at all because I was half asleep. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, yeah, this is one of my favorite movies of that year. Um, I remember being genuinely surprised by the success of the movie. I don't know why. I just thought I just didn't think anybody was really going to watch it. Uh, I was scared. Uh, oh yeah, I was really scared that for a hot minute I was just sitting in the theater and I was just terrified for a hot minute that it was gonna suck i was just i just like i just didn't know i didn't see any reviews i didn't see any 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 videos or read anything i would just went in blind and then i just got really scared that i was like oh my gosh this movie could actually suck but then once that opening scene was over it was like I was like oh i can relax now this is gonna be a good movie mm-hmm. so uh yeah I, I, I liked how funny it was through the characters uh, especially through the dialogue and interactions. Uh, I remember loving the first half a lot more than the second half. Uh, oh, like like what Matt said earlier, I love the performances by Corey Hawkins and O'Shea Jackson Jr. I also remember loving Jason Mitchell's performance the best from for as as E. And I was a little disappointed after I watched it how a little disappointed by how good Ice Cube and Dr. Trey looked because they had like a little bit of issues or or they or they had some controversies to them yeah. that they didn't really confront. But it's their bio, biopic, they're the producers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought there was cool cameos for like uh, Snoop Dogg and and uh, and Tupac. And I remember I just wrote down Lakeith appearing. Yeah, I, I <laughs> forgot or I, I didn't recognize Lakeith Banfield in my first watching as Snoop Dogg, and he does such a good Snoop Dogg impression. That was crazy. He does. <laughs> and then, oh, and then this movie uh, is responsible for me diving back into rap because I did grow up listening to a lot of it, but I kind of stopped. Got into more indie, a little country, um, a little, a little. Uh, started listening to Nina Rota and just any more like actual movie soundtracks so then it started taking me to like classical and things like that so yeah because of this movie i discovered kendrick wait, why? a lot of small moments of uh from characters wait why kendrick he's not in the movie no like this movie made me discover him because i was looking at interviews with like yella dj yella oh, okay. and and there's an there's like a 20 minute interview of conducted by kendrick lamar where he's interviewing the NWA. Yeah. He actually does come out in like the very end credit scene. Like there's like a small, yeah. he says like a small like, few lines about like, yeah, about like the, their impact on him. Like yeah. that was it. Like, it's like he has like two lines about his feelings on the NWA. <laughs> this was, this was like what, 2015? Was this around the time he did to Pimp a Butterfly? Or it was, was that same year. Yeah. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like, it was like around the release of one of his albums. Hmm. And Alonso, what do you remember? Most of it was like almost identical to what you said. Okay. Except I don't, I don't remember being like worried if the movie was gonna be good or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, like you mentioned, like definitely it was like the chemistry between all all the lead actors was just amazing, just entertaining to watch. 
And again, same thing. Like first half was probably like the best part of the whole movie. The second half does drop. It feels just typical biopic. And like you said, I mean, the Tupac actor surprised me. Like he looked just straight up identical to Tupac. And the fact that the movie, like, I do remember, like, just hearing, like, reading news, like, the movie was so successful, I think. And also, I'll probably bring it up more, is um, I do remember, um, what is his name? Jerry Heller tried to yes. sue. As soon as the movie, as soon as I kept hearing those news about the movie being more and more successful, I remember it felt like then he just, like, decided to strike and try to sue the movie for defamation and not having permission to put him in the movie or something something dumb like that hmm. and also remember like or and we'll dive more into it i remember the la riot not being included as much yeah as i thought it would be i find that a little disappointing well, that's about it for me. okay yeah okay so if there are any new new listeners <clears throat> this is a spoiler filled review sorry if you heard all that but uh we we tackle our our five year reviews with our first impressions, uh, as for the people for the members of our panel that have seen it, and then we give our actual five year review, five year review, and we tackle we tackle uh, parts about it about the movie that that hopefully were memorable. Um, I'm just gonna say uh, the opening opening sequence, the opening scene, pretty much. Uh, I think it was the best way to open this movie, honestly, with Easy E. I don't know about I don't know what you guys feel. Did you guys like how they introduced pretty much every single character, all the main characters, pretty much? I didn't even think about it till like or semi recently. Like the beginning, almost in a way, does reflect on the time, like like you know, like late eighties, and around. I think I'm pretty sure around that time that was when Reagan did his whole drug on war thing, and like just a real quick piece of history right there. Like almost just how disaster the whole thing was. Just seeing like the what is it, the ramming? The battery ram. Battering ram just oh yeah. Just straight up demolished the house so carelessly. And, and then killing that woman, whoever she was. Yeah. 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 Man, we, we go from like scared to her to sympathetic for her so yeah. quickly. I really liked how they did quickly like kind of introduce the main characters. So it literally was kind of a, it was a movie really about three people. It was really about Easy e Dr. Dre, and Ice Cube. And it was just about their lives and how they all kind of went separate ways and then tried to come back together. Um, I don't know. It was an interesting way to like show it in there. Um, I don't know. It just, I don't know. I like it connected me back to, I don't know. I don't know. It connected me back to like old films where they used to like always do like a trio of characters. And like it was like just a trio, like, you know, in Westerns or like something like How to Marry a Millionaire, where it's like a trio of women trying to like, you know, get, get, I don't know, husbands and then marry rich or something like that. We'll go into that later. But anyway, <laughs> I liked how it was just a trio. Yeah. <laughs> I liked how they in included the whole, like, just Ice Cube being in school at the beginning, because it's like, you forget that they were kids. Yes. <laughs> They're very they the hard, like, upbringing, and then you just see him, like, writing notes in the bus. I'm like, oh, shit, he's still in high school. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Alex? 
Yeah, that that opening sequence like you're talking about is like such like a good way to like open up the movie. It kind of like puts into perspective like everything that's like it's like a way to like sum up everything that's happening to like the the community, but also like within like each character's lives. Like this is like the the experience of like living like in that situation, and it kind of just like sets up like why why NWA like almost like had to exist to like speak truth to what was happening in the communities. And so, like, when we're talking about, like, the character introductions, like, it, it's it's really good to, like, put that into perspective first, like, the situation, like, as a whole, to, like, give you, like, why these, why these characters, like, you know, why they create music, why they write rhymes. It's, like, Dr. Dre, like, wants to, like, get out of the hood and, like, be, become something and, like, do something that he loves, which is, like, making music. And then Ice Cube's out there, like, writing rhymes, like, he wants to like work with them like they're both trying to they're, they're all trying to escape their their current situation mm-hmm. yeah um yeah i <laughs> so something that was like really nice was when when we finally get to ice cubes uh story and 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 then pretty much uh, ice cube story what happens with his introduction leads us into like the group it's then he then he goes to dr dre's to, to, to dr dre and then he's like just we're just just messing around with the with the records and and then they link up later at a little concert where where Dr. Dre was part of the wrecking crew with his, with his jacket with, um something i love about uh something what i love when stories do this is when something happens to a character and then they they tell somebody else about it and it's it's not at all in the perspective like they experienced it. It was like like they, these kids are just messing around, throwing up uh, crip, making fun of these bloods. They pull them over and then they tell them to start gangbanging these books and and then instead of these streets. But then but then when Ice Cube talks about it, it's like man, this blood just gave us a educational, uh, inspirational educational uh, speech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I like uh, a lot of the humor in this. I I, I thought a lot of the characters are, are DJ Yella mm-hmm. only had only cared about one thing pretty much just 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 women just, just getting ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then uh, MC Ren, I I was hoping for hopefully a little more because he's actually a really dope lyricist. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, as far as everything else, uh, what what are your some uh, what what are some of the things you guys taking back on this? Strength. It, it, it kind of like sets itself up to like remind the audience about like the the backdrop of the film. Like once they like find like the success, like they always go back to like the Rodney King footage and like yeah. the 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 characters like give their like opinions about like what's happening, and they 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 always like go back to that situation. It's like even with their success, it's like it's like the like nothing really changed like they they try to like bring a voice to to like what's happening but it's kind of like the the film's like reminding you about like the current situation in that in that time like the the 80s but it's also like like holding up a mirror it's like has it really changed all that much today and i think that's like why the film was like so like relevant is because like all the police brutality that they show like is still like extremely prevalent today and in the exact same communities as well like it's not like things like changed 
all that much. It, it has like a prettier face now, but yeah, like the situation. Yeah. It's yeah, it's really crazy how relevant this movie is. Like, just mm-hmm. it's painfully relevant. <laughs> Even even five years after, like <laughs> freaking still came out. Yeah. It also kind of shows why um the song Fuck the Police like matters. You know, and I mean they kind of mentioned the movie is like the idea is to just throw out the honest, the brutal truth of like what these police, you know, treat, you know, just minorities in general and why like and why they had to let it out because because they're dealing with that shit literally every day, like Alex mentioned earlier. Like it does, the whole movie does set up not only just what's going on in that decade, even now, but also just, um, you know, the purpose of the song. You know, it's not just something stupid and childish, like just saying, I don't like cops because they suck. It's, I don't like cops because they just mistreat us, you know, just because of our skin color alone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like it does, yeah, even like not only the movie, but the, the album itself shows why it's so important after all these years, even now, you know? I, there's so much. There's so much to talk about with this movie. The historical <laughs> context, the forming of NWA, the content of their their lyrics. One thing that I did I, like I, was how... Yeah, sorry. One thing that go, I did... Go, 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 go. How it, like, <clears throat> conveyed, like, pretty much the creation of the songs. Like, because a lot of times, like, biopic movies about musicians, like, what they do is, like, like, they're, like, in a studio session and then, like, on the first try, they pretty much seen the lyrics perfectly how they're supposed to be. And this one, like when they had the easy like trying out for the first time, like they were oh, like, yes. all of him, like the first like five takes. And they're like, get out of here. <laughs> and then finally he finally gets it and it still doesn't even sound right, but it, it's more impressive. And then they like edited it. And hmm. so I like the authenticity of like it took a while for us to get it right. <laughs> yeah, I do do is i don't watch music biopics does any like i i don't know have you do you guys have you seen a lot or any love love okay love biopics and um, this yeah. one held up extremely well for me like i i thought it was very well done because usually with biopics they try to like i don't know you're trying to tell us you're, you're trying to tell a story about the past but you're trying to make it in trying to make it real it sometimes can come off synthetic and with this one I felt that everyone was very well flushed out and no one was trying to be an imitation they were trying they actually believe the actors actually believe I am this person I am Ice Cube I am Dr. Dre and that's what I really appreciated about um the performances mm-hmm. um because you compare it to something like I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever saw, there's one that came out back in like 2019, Judy, about Judy Garland, and it just kind of came off very, it was, I liked the performance from Renee Zellweger, and she got the Oscar for it, but the movie itself was kind of just, it felt like it was kind of pandering a little bit to the gay community like here i'm gonna feed you all these stories and like let's let's add in this scene where judy comforts the gay couple like it just is kind of a little bit cringy in places but i loved this what i loved about this one is it felt real and it felt pretty honest and it kind of does show um I think even like with you know what they glossed over with ice cube and dr dre i think it does kind of show 
that they weren't perfect people. You know, Dr. Dre, like, you know, was supposed to, like, I think he wasn't married, but he had a girlfriend with a kid and like, they would show her occasionally, but then he would, the next scene would be him like philandering around with some woman. And then Ice Cube just kind of like, I mean, I, as someone who's got in a fist fight myself, like I understand rage and aggression, but like having to like <laughs> take a bat and like bash all your fucking records at the protest is a whole nother level. But it, it, it was, it's something that I do respect. And I, I appreciated that little moment in the scene. So I think they were trying to be decent in how, like they're trying to like be decent in how they showed themselves. like. I think they're trying to be well-rounded, like we're not perfect. And that's what I appreciated. It wasn't completely glossing over everything. Yeah. 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 In terms of like biopics, usually one thing that I don't like about biopics a lot is that they usually like try to summarize a person's life, like in one movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really work that well because there's nothing, it, that's literally all they do. They just want to see like, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened. <clears throat> and they kind of do that a bit for the life of this group. But what they did that was really good was that it had kind of had like a recurring theme the whole time of like their environment and how they respond to it. So it didn't feel like it was like just a summary of a Wikipedia article. Like it actually felt like there was something happening. <laughs> yeah, it felt like someone's life stories and mm-hmm. life stories too. Yeah. yeah. I feel, and it's also, I think it's great that they did this film because not the, I, I think it's important for inspiring musicians and artists uh, to know that you know they literally nwa literally was like the formation of like west coast gangster rap like out of them you know you get people like snoop dogg and tupac shakur and i don't know just the game kendrick just a lot yes exactly oh it's a nice history lesson Yeah, there was like a lot of people who were like, I think people that were working with Jerry were like, if they were out of like New York, then maybe, but from the West Coast, like it's not gonna happen. Like they had like all these doubts because like it hadn't hadn't been done before. No one was really like willing to take the risk. And that's kind of like what what they were like, what they were like setting themselves up to do. Like they knew that it was a risk, but it was one that they were confident with themselves to to try and be the ones to finally like push it you know mm-hmm. yeah i mean i feel like this movie i feel like i'm lost with the movie like as far as the story goes so that we can just mm. at least start from like first act second act third act but goodness i really like the first half of the movie it's pretty much when it's nwa being formed and mm-hmm. and and they're fi- figuring out what they're gonna do and they run into jerry heller they go see a live performance the audience knows the words to dope man and they're like tripping out over it and suge knight comes over and like he they they, i did not know that they actually knew suge knight like from like where they lived i had no idea they they knew i thought he was just another random player that was involved with music somehow and had money but Mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean Oh man, because I hadn't, I feel like I haven't seen any music, musical biopics. I want to see a Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash one. He's one of my favorite musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, I totally missed Bohemian Rhapsody because 
I, I didn't want to watch it because once I heard that Sasha Baron Cohen was going to be uh, Freddie Mercury, and then he didn't do it because they he didn't love the story, and then Rami Malek took it. I just wasn't interested in seeing Rami Malek do it. And then I missed the Elton Rocky. John one. Uh, Rocket Man. Man. I totally missed it. Did anyone see any of those or no? Um, I saw them pretty recently. Okay. I feel like they're very like effect heavy movies that kind of like I don't know it like threw me off in like a world that's like about like real life events like they were like so like heavily like uh like produced like like the VFX wise like they they both like are very heavy like in in mm-hmm. each department like they they don't feel real like this movie does it feels very like staged yeah th- this one like feels very movie. in the ground like like set pieces and things like that but this yeah. movie feels like like oh it like th- this is like somewhere i know like on the corner of the street like this is like you know it feels it feels real like like it is real but like the movie makes it feel like you know like an actual event yeah. no absolutely did you said you see any of those? I did. I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and when you compare that biopic to this one, there is a stark contrast, and it's what Alex said: it's authenticity. I think um, it, it, with with Bohemian Rhapsody, it was very flashy. It was a show. It was a production. It was like it was literally going to see a musical pretty much like that's what which was what it was is you're going to see a musical and it's flashy numbers and you know vivid characters but it all kind of felt a little too superfluous a little too too much maybe a little too extra like they talked about little you know problems with the characters like with freddie mercury and his family but i think there you really just can't uh, it's hard to compare the two because like this one just there's so much more context to why like to like why this group was important why it's still important and why um and like and how why they were formed around the time that they were Mm -hmm. and it it, i think that's it's kind of unfair to compare the two now i think about it because yeah it's really just this one's just historically i feel like so much more important <laughs> to and and in its formation of a different and like a genre of music but then also um when discussing issues like uh race and discrimination um and poverty yeah yeah it, yeah i think i think that's part of the reason why i'm having such a difficult time because hmm. this is going to bleed into social economic <laughs> Yeah. issues that we're still yeah I, alex mentioned it. it it held up a mirror and it straight up did it was like what this does not feel 90s <laughs> early 90s this does not feel 89 93 this straight up feels like last week <laughs> and <laughs> and and this is a, and this is a movie podcast, but we'll be real. We'll we'll be real, and we'll be and this is this is this, and I do intend to uh, to uh, navigate this these subjects in a in a in a fair way, at least to not overwhelm because we are here. We are a cinema podcast, and but this is what cinema should do. It should voice mm-hmm. 
the voiceless and it should bring light into into a group including nwa so i i think it's really important i think it's a, I, yeah i agree with matt with how it's uh historically more important because mm-hmm. uh so yeah we eventually uh we meet jerry heller uh mm-hmm. he really flips that conversation with eric wright uh with easy e and telling him it's like because easy owns that conversation and then all of a sudden uh jerry Her- Je- jerry heller flips it around with him not being enough Jer- uh easy e not being enough for jerry heller it's a little bit of gaslighting and mm-hmm. he falls for it but um <laughs> i think my favorite scene though is the one that aaron mentioned with the recording oh the word yeah this yeah the, <laughs> the what, what what is the name of that song I, oh geez. Boys in the hood boys in the hood yes yeah. boys in the hood <laughs> I think that is one of my because every I, when I was growing up, that's the line at the opening of that song is the one everybody said. I don't know. Did anybody get? Did any? Did like? Did your friends? Did anybody always quote one of the NWA lyrics? Cruising down the street in my six. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the one we always said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was like that just brought back like memories. But yeah, that's one of my favorite scenes. that's where really the strength of this biopic really comes to life for me is just the interaction between all that like when it becomes an ensemble and it's literally it's it's literally uh cube dj yella and andre clowning on eric and And then it's like no we're done get out of here he's like go ahead yella it's like no you too cube i was like what Yeah, it definitely the actors make it feel like it's like friends talking to each other, and I'm sure like the cast members like all probably are friends or did get to know each other. But like it feels like it feels like they play the characters who who know each other and like are are good friends with each other. They do a really good job. Yeah, <laughs> the chemistry of the class is like really really good. Like there's not a single bad actor. Like at the the scene that Valenti mentioned earlier, like that was probably my favorite scene the the Crenshaw Mafia one. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Because I really like the, like the the gangster who pulls like the bus over. Like he's only in it for that scene, and that was such a good actor. <laughs> he like fooled this all on me. I was like, shit. Was, <laughs> yeah, I recognize the actor. The the what's it called? The uh, the guy that was throwing that that he confronted the gangster that pulled the blood that confronted him. Uh, Ashton Sanders. He's the teenager in Moonlight. The lead, oh. and, he's, and he also portrays Riza in the Wu Tang Clan uh, biopic uh, on Hulu. Mm. Yeah, and he was also in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, the one that. Uh, oh my gosh, I forgot his name. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the one that uh, that they got caught by the cops. I don't know if anybody saw. I know Matt did. I don't know if anybody. I else did. Saw. Yeah. I'm yeah, the one that remember. went the one that went to the hospital and they had him. Uh, yes, that's him. Oh, that's him. So that's why I was like, yeah. When you said that, like this, this is so perfectly cast. I was like, it really is. It was great. Oh, it's there's, great. There's literally no small part in this movie. Like everybody sells it. And uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. With those scenes, and then um, man, I mean. 
I mean, a- anybody else can chime in with like one of their favorite scenes. I don't know, like if they, I don't know if they want to. I think the one that stands out for me is when they, like, right after they get the lecture from the cops, like about performing "fuck the police." <laughs> yes, like, absolutely. They they're like on stage and they're just kind of like like fuck it, like we're gonna we're gonna perform it anyway, like and like you get like the. <laughs> like the, the reaction of the crowd and like contrasting with like the reaction of the cops and like I don't know it just it just it, it feels good like to to see that that like like reaction of like there's like there's like hate from the police and like the people are like just fucking love the song and like the energy that they, they like they're great performers like they they perform like like a live like you know like rap session up uh as actors they 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 really do a great performance that like gets you hyped but like that whole scene, like, like before before the performance to like during the performance, and then them having to like run off stage like during the gunshots, like that whole scene just feels like it has like a lot of lot of energy to it. They've done really well though. Hmm. I agree, and I love, I I love the really ending of that scene where like you know the cops kind of play them into like getting trapped and then like shoving them away in the paddy wagon but as they're doing that there's people like there's their fans on the bridge and they're like throwing glass and like trash cans and shit already starting fire yeah they started a fire it was great and then like as you see as the band is getting like as you see the band in the paddy wagon and they're like yeah they're like they like because they know that in the long run they've won because yeah, they can imprison them, but their message has been heard and well received, and it's going to be spread. Yeah. That, that's what I love about that. Well, have ever seen? <laughs> Don't really see. Well, that part of like watching it recently right now is like, right <laughs> that I didn't even notice until recently was the part when the first time Ice Cube brings up the contract and he switches the straws for no reason. And just the fact that, like, fucking Easy e brought it up. <laughs> like, Did you guys notice that? I heard no. that, yeah. <laughs> it was, like, it was so random. I don't know why. I, I, that's the first time I ever noticed it. Yeah, and I noticed Easy es reaction. <laughs> yeah, he just brought it up. <laughs> it was weird because, like, I thought that, that same thought in my head, but I was like, was he just, like, did he put the straws in or was he swapping the straws? <laughs> And then he's in the background. Like, he, he's not even on camera when he says that. No, I think. Like, he swapped the straws. Like, I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm so lost. I totally missed it, this. Wait, what it, was this? It, was, it was so random. Like, it was their first uh, big uh, recording session at Torrance. Uh-huh. Yeah, before uh-huh. they write uh, Fuck the Police. Yeah, and Jerry Heller comes in. And he's like, "All right, guys, here's all we're fine. The deal with uh, that one, uh, priority records yeah. is, is fell through. Uh, Easy just needs to sign." And and then Ice Cube was like, he walks up, was like, "What about our contracts? What about our money?" Right. And literally, like, like I, it's just an acting thing. You have to physically do something. He's just like, "What about our?" Co-? And he's taking out these two drinks, have straws, and he's taking one out. And then replacing it, yeah. and that's literally, no. <laughs> and then and and then and then it's literally in the middle of that car. I was like, "What? What about our contract?" And I was like, "It's all being, they're they're working them up right now. You'll get them sometime later." And then literally, Easy E just cuts it. It's like, "Did you just? Did you just?" 
Yeah. I love his high pitched voice. When he does oh my gosh! Yeah, it, it's like that was that. That's one of the things that I mean when I said like just tiny moments from characters, like the one Matt said where he's where where they're just like they're just all high fiving each other with the handcuffs in the back, and they're just yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely, um, definitely great I, the straw swap <laughs> I'm gonna have to rewatch that now the scene, <laughs> I want to see this it's such, it was um, such a quirky moment I don't know <laughs> um, I think I also really have to mention other, it, it, there's two very small scenes that they're not even really important but I really appreciated it's in the beginning when Ice Cube is getting, he's about to get kicked out by his mom. And no, no Ice Cube, sorry. Dr. Dre's about to get kicked out by his mom. And she like slaps him. Like, with, and it's a very like, she like does this double slap thing because she's like, don't insult me. And then like, you know, cut to like an hour and 30 minutes later, she's like, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> You've accomplished. I just, <laughs> like, she's like, she goes from, you're a bum. And then, I'm so proud of you. It's just it's such a great hypocritical parenting moment. It's like, that's typical. <laughs> like, don't follow your dreams until they see the wad of cash. That you're exactly, yeah. And if you notice, her hair is a lot better too. Like, she has like a cheap wig at that the pharmacy and the later she has like nice hair, it's in a bun. And she's like, I'm so proud of you. So of course, yeah. Yeah, after I got that nice car. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, Aaron! Another favorite scene. You said the 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 one at the bus. Uh, yeah, that's bus my favorite scene. favorite. Um, uh, I really like the Ice Cube busting up the record place too. Like, oh, uh, because it does build up. Like it's like Jerry screws him over, so he switches over here. Mm-hmm. They promise him they're not gonna fuck him over, then they do it. They're like, fuck this! I'm just gonna get my back. <laughs> He was done. He was yeah. so apparently that wasn't that that scene was urban myth. Uh, everybody, everybody had always heard about that. That Ice Cube walked in there and banged up, uh, banged up that guy's office, and but like nobody had ever, nobody had ever like nobody came over front, nobody stepped forward and like admitted it. So uh, I, like, long, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they put that in the movie, so it was cool. Um, there's a favorite scene or no? Uh, well, the one Alex mentioned, fuck the police. Yeah, I say, and even when they record the the song too. Yes. You know, after once some um, Ice Cube gives um Dr. Dre the his book. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, his book. Yeah. 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 Book. They're recording it. That that part was just like just that energy they yeah. had. Yeah. Because yeah. I I love the editing. I remember being so excited about that that this moment. I I remember telling Aaron about this like uh, uh, when this movie came out. Oh wait, can I guess what you're about to say? Yeah, go for it. You know? It's the street sign thing. Yes, I lo- I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I was just nerding over you that. Never said that. I was just like, bro, there's this scene where like after they're done recording, just it was just like a bullet shot of all these street signs, like showing how big they got. And yeah, and then the movie just really takes off from yeah. there um <laughs> i think i i can't uh fail to remember uh the by felicia scene oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god no <laughs> that was great that got wide I... huh <laughs> no i was just gonna say that got so out of hand so quick 
Oh no, absolutely. Because wasn't that around the time that everyone started saying bye Felicia? Like yeah, that was the no. thing. Yeah. yeah. That's on Friday too, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Friday yeah. too, yeah. There's a reference to Friday. Yeah, but yeah. It, oh my god it is oh speak going on that though i love how like you know when you know they show ice cube with kids in the home <laughs> and he's writing a script she's like how's the script honey and he's like oh it's gonna be really funny <laughs> i forgot they even had that scene i forgot yeah. so many little things i keep forgetting about this movie as soon as I saw like the script outline, I was like, "No wait, did they see the scene of like Ice Cube making a movie? Like, or like him like?" And she just straight up says, "How is Friday going?" I'm like, "No way!" Like, I honestly didn't remember that scene. Oh, uh, that shit really came out like it was gonna be like some infomercial. Like, I mean, we got it from, it's from another review. I heard it from. They said it as a joke, but like, it really did look like as soon as he was typing it up. He's gonna look at the camera and be like, oh, hey, what's up, guys? We <laughs> <laughs> really did come off like that. This is, this is how I wrote Friday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's actually how, how I felt when um, it was like at the very end when uh, Dr. Dre like confronts Suge about like uh, leaving Death Row and starting his own. And like, what was it? I think it was Suge Knight that asked him, like, what's it gonna be called? And like, he like stops, like, like the camera, like <laughs> dramatic turn, like yeah. I don't even remember what it's called. What was this, what was the label called? It was like like aftermath. resolution aftermath. aftermath. He's like like it's aftermath. aftermath. <laughs> it's like a dramatic pause and turn and everything. And I was like, that part is like it feels like Dr. Dre like went in the script and was like, hey, let me <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think Ice Cube did the same thing because like in that um, same like scene where he's writing Friday, like, you know, it's showing the happy dappy family yeah. and like, you know, his kids in the background and it's showing the current Ice Cube that we all know now, which is like, the, are you there? Are we there yet, Dad? Ice Cube? <laughs> like with the family friendly movies and shit like that. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dr. Dre was even looking. It looked like he was like going to leave, but he looked like he's like staring at the window. So I don't know if he's going to jump off or something. So I was like, well, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, it does. Dr. Just Dre. staring at the window. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah. Alrighty. Uh yeah, and then pretty much uh the the big issue comes by. I mean I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure how aware everybody is of NWA's story. Did mm -hmm. did you guys know a lot about like was it predictable or like, like we all knew Easy E was gonna die, right? Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like, did everybody else know about like why the group split up and when? I didn't know much about the group to be honest. Like, I knew like the members, like from listening to their music. Um, I honestly don't even remember if I knew that Easy was dead or not when I originally watched it. Mm. What surprised me, I didn't know that he had uh, HIV. That, that part, definitely, I didn't mm -hmm. know when I, uh, I didn't know like beforehand, before watching the movie the first time. And like most of the story was pretty new to me. Like I knew that they had like solo careers or they had like the split. I wasn't sure like where that fit into that timeline though. Like I, did, I thought they were like, just like done making music together and then like, decided to like branch out and do their own things. I didn't know that Ice Cube had like the diss track and like that they were going back and forth between each other. Like that that was new to me too. Like a lot of the a lot of the internal things I had no idea about. 
Aaron, you're pretty familiar with most of it? Uh, yeah, yeah, like not not super in detail, but like in terms of their breakup, like I knew that they broke up because of like money and Shook Knight were like the big things I remember. Um, if anything, I didn't really know their origin story in terms of how they got together. Like, mm-hmm. So that was pretty new to me. Yeah, and I, I knew like Easy UE was probably like, other than Ice Cube and Dre, he was my most familiar character for the family tree reasons. So I already knew about the AIDS and that kind of stuff. Matt, um, I knew a little bit about their history of like I, I because, I mean, I don't know what it was, but I remember in middle school, Dr. Dre was very popular for some reason. Like, and still, like in like what it was what like seven, eight, like two thousand eight, two thousand seven. I can't think. I can't remember. Um, but he, I remember. Like, you know, I, just listening to The Chronic by Dr. Dre and then kind of I went backwards in the catalog and like was like, oh, he's part of NWA. Yeah. And um, kind of that's how I kind of got to know their story a little bit and how like, you know, from NWA came Ice Cube, Easy e um, Dr. Dre, and then somehow Suge Knight gets thrown into this mix as well. Um, and then, you know, the controversies with him and then now he's in jail. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know about you. How familiar were you with NWA? End of like a decent amount. I do remember like Just the music or their stories. Sort of. Too? Yeah, mostly their music, and I would say yeah. almost similar to Aaron. Like, yeah, like I knew like certain parts that happened, but like not in full detail. And one of the things I, I remember, like one thing that did, even at least the first time watching it was, they didn't really address the whole beef with um, Dr. Dre and Easy E. Yeah, Easy made that one song, "Real Motherfucking G," which is pretty tight. Mm-hmm. After all, I think Dre did his first one, Dre Day, I think, and then he did um, whatever the yeah, "Real Motherfucking G." And that part I remember, and also just kind of semi-randomly, like even before the movie came out, this there's a whole conspiracy theory that fucking um it's kind of dumb but um suge knight gave um he's the one who infected um easy with um hiv and it's like even like now like sort of recently when the movie came out there's that scene when um <clears throat> suge knight um forces um um easy to sign the paper to let dr draco and people are saying that's the scene that hints that that's when um Suge Knight gave him the infection of HIV, like, like stuck a needle on him. <laughs> oh my god! So I remember. I was like, was like really? Oh my god! I don't know what's over there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Sometimes consp- I, conspiracy theories are fun for a minute, and yeah. then they got just dumb. Yeah, they. <laughs> yeah, because I know that that I know that conspiracy there. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the way I I knew about uh, Dr. Dre is because I was a big Eminem fan. So then mm. Eminem was produced by Dr. Dre, discovered by Dr. Dre, and then but then also uh, Eminem mentioned, uh, oh, I loved N.W.A. So I was like, okay, what's he was part of that? And then I just if, if I was really if I really liked something, I would really dive into it. Uh, Clearly, Alex knows because I I looked into a little bit into a little bit into film, and then I and now I am where I'm at with film photography. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, 
So I, I was pretty familiar. I wasn't in, I wasn't familiar with like the nitty gritty details, which was nice about this biopic. But yeah, I also love how they really put you in the environment that they were grow, going through. Like, I totally forgot that historically it was Fuck the Police was written before Rodney King. And and he and then and, and then he has that moment, or and then Ice Cube has that moment where he's te- with that with that journalist that he's that's trying to grill him, but then he flips it back on him, and he straight up tells him, uh, "No, I'm not. I'm a journalist just like you. I'm just why like like I'm I'm not here to talk about I'm not here to talk about uh, Jerry Heller and the JDL. I'm here to talk about Rodney King and fuck the police is a warning." about is a warning about uh abusing people and then it, that song is straight up prophetic because it it just oh man it, it just it, it just captures beautifully the the frustration that we we all can have and and it's really nice because this movie does a really good job of balancing out really well the humor, the friendship, the animosity with each other, but then also like the frustration that they have and the the misloyalty and the abuse of their trust with each other. Because I I I, I my favorite scene is is uh is, is the moment where um uh Dr. Dre gets bailed out of jail by Easy E, and he tells him, "How long are you gonna be slinging dope?" And, and, and Easy E's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> in, front in front of the police station, and it's like, "No, we gotta do more than just to just sling drugs. We gotta we gotta do something with visionary." And then they do. But also, one of the moments that I forgot how powerful it was, and I actually got a little choked up, was when Dr. Dre's. Uh, gets that emergency pager from from his mom telling him about his brother passing away his, his brother dying and uh i forgot how emotional this movie cool. is and how powerful it gets one scene that i just thought of that i like that just brought to my head out of nowhere was that i really liked was this movie does a really good job of like a specific setup where like there's that crenshaw mafia scene where like it pretty much establishes like if you don't know who the bloods are this is what they are kind of thing yeah and then like later on i think like two scenes later um dr dre sneaks ice cube into part of the lineup for like that disco jazz like venue or whatever mm-hmm. and right before he goes up they mention oh this place is full of bloods so it's kind of like not only like now you know what they're like and now you know that like he's about to perform in front of like a whole like set of them yeah. And so I would, I would be shitting my pants if I had to like perform <laughs> some of that kind of people. Yeah, but that was like a really subtle little payoff that it did, where it was like, "Here's what they are, and here's the whole group of them." <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I'm starting. I'm starting. It's starting to come to me. The police are such a presence in this movie. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, as I was watching, like, it like reminded me, like, the second time through, like, it was like almost like every second I was just like anticipating like the police like coming back into the scene and, like just like roughing somebody up like 
and like it gave me like anxiety just like watching it and knowing ahead of time like oh fuck this is the scene with the police again and i'm just like mm-hmm. sitting there like it's like this is good like like I, even though i know it's a movie i'm just like oh this is gonna be like one of those scenes like it, it it's crazy how like experience like with like police officers in the past and things like that like like watching it in the movie like kind of just like I don't know it, it, it like it like reignites a, like anxiety that you have like in, like out in the real world and I think that's like a, like a very powerful thing about the movie it's like it, it it's able to like instill that like same emotion that like you may have uh if you if you were like a, a black person in in Compton like yeah it'll it'll almost like give you that exact same feeling like when the police show up like in the movie and now you're like oh fuck like now the situation's just like fucking worse mm-hmm. and now you're like worried about like what's going to happen next yeah yeah and one thing that kind of speaking of the police like one thing that dates this movie a bit that i realized was that like whenever like there's a scene where like the police are harassing like any of the members or whatever you like remember that they they're a lot more comfortable doing it because there's no like camera phones around yeah. Like I realized yeah. I watched while watching it, I was like, "Oh, they're like not holding back. Like they're not worried at all. Like even when like Jerry confronts them, like they they talk back at him too." Because still, yeah, they were still yeah. trying to bark back. Yeah. Even the scene with um when Ice Cube was getting roughed up by the police mm. when visiting um uh Trey Trey yeah man mm. yeah it's like just the way they're just like um yelling at his his parents just so aggressively almost. Just pointlessly aggressively. Yeah, like just unnecessarily, yeah. Just that's what I meant, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Like just right in front of his parents too. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, like you mentioned, like just trying to go home. If there was a camera, like I'm pretty sure they would have like toned their attitude around there. If there was like cameras at the time or cell phone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like just like you mentioned, yeah, it, it does show just how like I would say just reckless the, the police were back then i mean there still are now unfortunately but at least you know we're able to at least put them on a leash with the cameras our cameras on our phones that, yeah sometimes mm. yeah sometimes yeah they're on a leash but they're not on a muzzle exactly. yeah. <laughs> that's the problem sadly i mean that's yeah. shoot and I, i'm re-watching that first scene because i was like man that's that moment sucks but then i was like re-watching that scene and i was like wait why were they actually there like they didn't charge anybody, they didn't arrest anybody. They just straight up harassed some. They just har- harassed people there. Well, didn't they say something to Ice Cube? They were like, "Well, where's the dope?" Blah blah. blah. I'm not stupid. Like they were looking. They were just actively looking for drugs. Like they were just mm-hmm. like trying to find something. Well, and I think, I mean, I just barely just thought of it now, but like yeah, I earlier, like how, I mean, it does kind of represent like the whole Reagan war on drug thing. And I'm pretty sure oh, stopping for kind of the whole, yeah, exactly. Just how aggressive, you know, because yeah, Reagan himself was just the one being a piece of shit and just <laughs> basically being wanting the police to be ruthless with, um, you know, dope dealers and drug, but basically for the police, it's just a free for all just to accuse any, you know, young black man who would look like they might have like a decent amount of money just to, yeah, harass and abuse them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're using the whole war war on drug thing as an excuse to treat them like that. Profile. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just race, straight up racial profiling. Yeah, that was, oh, man. I think one of the ones that got me uh, was the scene where I was like, oh, shit, like the police are like 
they really don't want to deal with the police was when Dr. Dre was leaving the the disco the disco uh, spot where he was working, and his brother was like 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 some guy was getting into his brother's face, and and Dr. Dre just jumps in and like punches him, and then the cops just roll up, and then they pretend like nothing happened. It's so weird, like, throughout the movie, it feels like the cops are, like, around the corner with, like, their binoculars or something. Cause it's like they jump in right when, like, they shouldn't. Yeah. Lonzo actually reminded me of uh, a scene where they were, I think they were being, like, interviewed in a group. And, like, Easy made the point that um, it was, like, that in the, in the hood, they have uh, AKs from Russia and they have cocaine from Colombia, yeah. but no one in the hood has a passport. And I was kind of like, that was like a nod to that same thing, like Reagan era and like, like not just the war on drugs, but like people like the CIA that actually like put drugs in these communities and like basically just told the police force, like, like, like start like rounding people up, like, but also like fucking extort some money while you can at the same time. Like, putting money, like putting the drugs in the community, taking the money out of the community at the same time and putting people in jail is just like, it is, is like the nasty cycle that like started because of what the government did in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got in bed with, uh, with arms dealers and, and, drug de- and drug smugglers so that the CIA could have access to putting down communists to putting down communist factions and stuff. I was like, y'all really went into bed for that. <laughs> Just... Okay. But yeah. Um, I was hoping somebody would bring it up. Uh, but oh wait, no, wait, they did. They someone did bring it up. The but we just didn't dive into it. Uh, I forgot who brought it up, but the cop scene at the recording studio. Uh Oh gosh, it's like it's like it's like causing me stress right now. Like I can feel it in my shoulders. Who brought right it up? Or, or what? The, the 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 cops. Uh oh, gee, Doctor Dre goes out to talk to his wife, uh, his 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 baby mama, mm-hmm. and they all, and then they all just then they're literally like, "Hey, what happened?" Like everybody comes out to say to see what's wrong with Dre, and then literally like two cops squadrons just pull up like what are you guys doing here like they started acting straight up like a gang like what are you doing in Torrance? Yeah. <laughs> i think at one point one officer in the movie actually says like we are like the only gang or like we're the real gangsters yeah. or something like that mm-hmm. and it's kind of true like they're they're, they're allowed to be gangsters but they get away with it because yeah. they're they're part of the law they're part of like the way that we just have organized a society yeah um Matt, did you, how did you feel? How were you feeling in that scene? <laughs> it was very timely watching this now and then just a couple days ago. And then also watching the Rodney King, the actual Rodney King footage in this film. And then yeah. just, you know, a couple days ago, was it the 24th? Was it the, was it, no, it was the 25th. What what day was it? Was it yesterday? Was that, it was literally yeah. like two so, days ago yeah. where, George Floyd was killed. Yeah, really the anniversary of George Floyd's death. And it's just, it's insane how 
it's just it's insane how still well it's nice to see that there is some change now with you know instead like with the Rodney King uh case like you know none of these officers were convicted thankfully now um I think at least at least one's convicted and I think they're trying the other guys too right now yeah Rick Chauvin got convicted with all three charges so it's a sign of progress but it's still insane to me how close to this timeline we all are like this was that was like in 91 this or like 1991 and this is just what 30 years later nearly 30 years apart it's a 30 year old man like within the lifetime of a 30 year old guy 30 and it's devastating it's just I, i it's just you don't know what to say and also i think someone else brought it up like what i what i appreciate about this movie is it just going there and showing these experiences that they had because it's a good way for people who have not had run-ins with the law to understand what it is like for an african-american or a person of color living in this country when dealing with the police mm-hmm. and how there is advantages to having like lighter skin there is privilege like whether you like it or not like there is a different way that people are treated mm-hmm. um even just by the like the clothes you wear too it's just oh god it's insane mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i almost end up losing a lot of words as well because of the feelings are just way too they, they hit really close yeah they do and I think that's one of the one of the strengths about this movie. Um, but yeah, it's unintentional that we picked this movie during. It is. It really, like, really. It's we did not plan this, by the way. We, <laughs> we did not. We were supposed to talk about this movie in 2019. 2020. <laughs> no, well, because we were like literally we were recording ahead of time, so. Mm. And then release it in 2020, but we're like, oh, geez, yeah, we didn't, we didn't in anticipate intentionally uh, this kind of this kind of dialogue in this episode. Let's um, try one day. I see through it. No. <laughs> I, know, I know I can come off like I, like, I, I, I aspire to make these kinds of choices, <laughs> but this one really just fell on our laps. I'm not kidding. It's all like I wasn't sure if any. I wasn't gonna bring up George Floyd. I wasn't gonna bring up. I was like, like so, I'm gonna let the podcast be natural and let them bring it up. Step one of many. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's very Simpsons, you know, Matt Groening, time traveler ass. Like, I, I, I have some stipulations about it now. I want in. I want to know. I was just like, cool, we get to talk about NWA. And I was like, I forgot about all the social political remedies. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. Um, but I'm glad we're having this discussion, though, honestly, mm-hmm. because... 15 years ago, it, it was, it was, this, it, it was like conversations like this. It was like, not really much has changed. And Ice Cube and Dr. Dre were both speaking on that. I think Ice Cube more because he's more uh, outspoken about it. But mm-hmm. man, it just hurts how, not even five years ago, but literally five more years deeper 
after this movie is released. It's just even more painfully relevant. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm not a big music guy. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else is. I'm a really big movie. Uh, mm -hmm. I just got into vinyl. <laughs> so. Oh. Yeah. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. I, oh my god. Like we will talk. Okay. <laughs> You're gonna show me where all the little nook oh, spots are at. Oh my god, yeah. Folk art records, M theory music records, you have oh, beatbox no. records. I will go on and on and on. All right, cool. I love love vinyl. All right, we'll definitely go shopping sometime in the future. Perfect. <laughs> um but I don't, I don't know about like uh alex or aaron did you guys are you guys like really big music or you just listen to music like i feel like i listen to music a lot but i don't really explore mm -hmm. like music at all like yeah. when people recommend music to me like i'm like okay like that's good and then like i'll listen to that for like three months and then like find something new and then like binge that for like another three months and like yeah I, I do i do very little exploring in music but i listen to the same music a lot mm -hmm. yeah i i'm a, a hip-hop head i would say like i like all kinds of music but i would say like that's definitely like my emphasis i guess mm -hmm. um i used to i mean i still do it but not as much there's a youtuber named anthony fantano <laughs> yeah <laughs> He has a yes, YouTube channel. The busiest music nerd. Uh -huh. He has a YouTube channel called The Needle Drop, and he pretty much reviews like one album a day, or like yeah. at least like two or three a week, I guess, at least. He's a machine. And, and he's like, he really like expanded my overall like taste in music and albums. And so, yeah. He's a dick, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you yeah. know what? But I love how he's always like, okay, yeah, I know this is my review, but you know, like everyone has their own introspective of what they think of this album or blah, blah, yeah. blah. Because like he, 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 unlike this podcast, he does go on a rating system. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like his rating system though, it works. <laughs> it does. I have, I, have, I have some bones to pick with him. He's given some bad reviews to he, some of my favorite yeah. albums. So it's like, you know. Like he does okay. it in fight too. <laughs> yeah, I like how he like he'll like interview like a, a famous artist and like two months later he'll like give like their album like, an okay review and not giving two shits about it <laughs> <laughs> I know um yeah mm. all um yeah so yeah I mean yeah I mean that 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 kind of uh introspection with uh with music kind of I don't know what's curious about with this movie at least so Mm. I wasn't sure if anybody would like would really have that kind of passion, but I mean, I guess everybody's pretty interested in NWA and everything else that they were involved in. Yeah. So. Um, does anyone actively listen to like NWA or anyone the oh, the offspring of it, like Ice Cube or Dr. Dre? Oh, oh. Uh, I, Alonso. Well, when I got the uh, when I got the oh. <laughs> when I got when I finally got the record player, it was the first thing I popped in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we finally got to listen to it a lot of weird revelations with nwa right now in our lives <laughs> yeah i mean any other powerful moments in this in this movie for you guys because oh. easy the whole like third act with easy e was like oh man 
like literally him realizing that he cannot chase after the the things he wanted to do he's finally getting everyone back together and he literally passes out and he finds out he couldn't he's hiv positive mm-hmm. and yeah, that that delivery of him like in in the hospital bed like trying to like trying to like reason like with like he's like acknowledging like what's happening but it's also like can't understand at the same time and he's just trying to like plead and reason with like the doctor of like he's like this can't be true i like he like he like wants to go on and continue he's like stunned but like the performance that the that the actor delivers in that scene is just it's heartbreaking because it's like first like it's a real person two it's a situation that could have happened to so many people in that generation uh i don't know if there was necessarily an epidemic or or yeah yeah and like all the people that that passed away that didn't get care and people today that still don't get care and you Mm -hmm. like listen to him like pleading for like life and it's just like so heartbreaking that that's something that a lot of people deal with and have dealt with in the past and like we were talking about bohemian rhapsody earlier and it kind of you know talks about uh hiv in that movie too but Mm -hmm. i think that it's like that whole generation of people that like passed away in that era because of Reagan. Yeah, the, it was that Reagan era misinformation <laughs> and like not wanting to deal with the issue, you know? Like and he just straight up didn't like care. Yeah. Know? Like he was fine with blacks and gays dying. Yeah. It only became a problem when people we loved started going away. Mm-hmm. We lost Freddie Mercury. We lost Eric Wright, Easy Easy E. No, I remember another one was um, tying back to old Hollywood roots. Rock Hudson, who was a big star back in the day, he when he announced that he had HIV and then died of AIDS, it was a big shock because that was like his actually like coming out pretty much story. Wow. Like no one knew at that point. And that's what spurned Elizabeth Taylor, who was his best friend, to become an AIDS advocate. And then that's when she began her whole campaign of raising awareness for AIDS and doing AIDS balls and stuff like that. Um, and raised a lot of money for it and even got damned by uh, the Queen oh, of awesome. England because of that. Oh, that's awesome. I know. It's good for her. I know she did more than our damn president. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, that's what you, that's what you do with, with, with your kind of status. Mm-hmm. You try to add, you can try to raise money. You try to create something, just a vaccine, something. I know. Lady Gaga did that during COVID. She was just raising money for families. You know what? And I love that from her because literally she was in the midst of releasing an album, doing an album cycle. And then COVID comes around and she's like, okay, I'm going to delay my album and I'm going to do something to raise money. And it raised like upwards of like a hundred million like from like that one little uh charity stream thing where they she got people together and they perform i don't know so i really i really appreciate that i I love celebrities like that but you know put money where their mouth is yeah 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 i mean these i yeah i think i think that was the one of the biggest uh and uh um, 
yeah go ahead <laughs> on that note though really quick sorry um go for it. Go for but it. i did love that like easy e at the end they read this letter that he wrote to yes. the fans about his diagnosis and it's kind of a nice coming around moment because you know at first when he um when we see him have realize he has um hiv but it's developed into aids uh because of his low t-cell count um he then was like oh but i'm not a faggot like what the fuck blah blah and like you know immediately uh just kind of thinks basically what 80s 90s society thought at the time that oh it was the gay disease like it was like you know the thing to kill the queers but like he kind of has a, a turnaround moment when he like writes a letter and like tries to promote that like you know this affected me it can affect anyone mm-hmm. and i thought that was a good way to use his platform especially at the very end of his life yeah yeah because he was at the he was at the ears and admiration of, uh, of his entire community right everybody says i mean even snoop Dogg, because he was in he was trying to diss him with trey mm-hmm. but like even but even snoop Dogg later admits like i really wanted to work with him mm-hmm. like so so he reached out to everybody and that and that was really nice because yeah because that, that, that i'm glad you brought that up because that was definitely going to be another point was like the turnaround that he had because of the initial shock from what from the little understanding that everybody knew about 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 AIDS, mm-hmm. and then it just oh, and then it just it just helped. And then I I remember this uh, this this other YouTube channel that I really like, Dead End Hip Hop. I don't know if anyone's heard of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they review music. They reviewed this movie, and I and I remember I'm gonna give a little shout out to them because they say because they're all guys that grew up listening to all kinds of music, and they talked about their experiences with NWA. And, and they said, like, when they all found out that Easy e got AIDS, um, everybody strapped up. Everybody, everybody wore protection. It was no longer, it was no longer uh, uh, just being willy-nilly about it. And, oh. um, but yeah, it was just, it was just a crazy revelation that they mm-hmm. had. And it's, and it's still a pen. And it's, it's still, Matt, really? Yeah, in Africa, especially. Oh, yeah. Um, people still die. Lots of people. It's like, it's the one, like, the, I think the flu kills more, but second is AIDS. AIDS is like the second biggest killer still. Um, because it's just, and it's so unfortunate because it's just, we have medications in place now to, I think we've discussed this last week, <laughs> or the last podcast, we have medications in place now to help, uh, not only prevent but take care of people who do have HIV or later developed AIDS because of it and help them live longer, healthier, happy lives. Yeah. Um, it's but it's unfortunate that impoverished places like you know certain impoverished places in Africa still are not getting funding for medicines or getting medicines at all from any kind of help from countries or governments. Hint, hint, U.S. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes, but that's my little political stance. That's <laughs> <more right now. laughs> um, but no, I, and also it's kind of, I also was trying to think about like music around that time, like after, because they, so after NWA split up, like want to say it was like 91 and then, you know, they do their solo stuff 
And I think this movie ends around like, this movie ends in 95 um, when Eazy-E dies. And so he dies. It's, it's kind of funny because like right um, before he died, like in, I want to say 95, 94, is when TLC did Waterfalls. And that was a song about, you know, HIV as well. Because there's, I don't know if you guys know, but there's a lyric in it, like where they talk about like, don't go chasing waterfalls. But there's a lyric when they're talking about a certain guy who, you know, is loose and having fun. And then, you know, they're like, oh, but one day he takes a look in his mirror and he doesn't recognize his own face. His health is fading and he doesn't know why. Three letters took him to his finals resting place. It's just like, and it was interesting, like, okay, this kind of all happened around the same time frame, like that song being released, becoming a big hit, and then kind of Easy's death. Um, Dang. Waterfall sounds, sounds like such a heavy song. No way. It is. It is so heavy. You need to watch the music video because they like oh. show it all. Like they show oh. him like finding a lesion on his face and he's like, what is that? And oh, it's it's a really intense song. Dang, mm. dang, we're pulling out. Man, this 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 movie is just pulling out all kinds of references. <laughs> well, it just goes to show how important NWA is to pop culture and to just the culture of you know, if not just in the United States, but hopefully the world when it comes to like issues of like discrimination race um hiv awareness like there's so much tied up into this group or into these people mm-hmm. shoot yeah i mean we we can have a straight up field day with just police brutality mm-hmm. and this and this movie and this movie is just subtly reminds us about it just throughout and then yeah i mean i also said like it was kind of disappointing that the rodney king riots were not really explored but you know and I, I i can share that sentiment but you know what there's plenty of stuff out there that covers that time in la i mean shoot i mean even sublime made a song about that which is mm-hmm. really nice but yeah um wanted to talk about uh another performance that i kind of just forget about him paul giamatti as jerry heller Oh yes! Why? Why is he so good? Paul Giamatti is a slimy scumbag. That's why <laughs> <laughs> he's not playing a character. He's playing himself. <laughs> he's just, he's just, he's, one day. <laughs> he just has his toes and everything. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like a character actor that like that that does his character well. You know, like I feel like he he's. He, as far as I know, there's never like a serious like main character, but he's always like a side character, like will always like draw your attention. Yeah, and he always does a good like white guy trying to convince someone of something but being wrong. Like he always has a little like <laughs> aspect to him that he does. Yeah. This was a big role for him. There was a lot of playroom that he had because he goes yeah. from being nice to being like. To like then gaslighting to then also like at the tail end showing like trying to show emotional depth and like kind of lose it and crying and everything and acting like a scorned lover. He's like he's getting mad at no at <laughs> ice cubes no Vaseline. Mm-hmm. I know he's like we have to like sue for the. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> like you heard, you heard what he said on the track, right? You heard what he said, like anti-Semitic, like, and he's like trying to like, go off, and then everyone else is just like, is like plotting, like, no, we need to come back with a better track, like. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> it's like Jerry's like, this is like black people don't even know what anti-Semitic means, <laughs> <laughs> and I. He does. Like, he just what ends happened? up thinking about himself. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he literally, as soon as he's mentioned, he literally just stops the music. Oh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? He really let the song flow. Like, he let everybody the, else. He let everybody get roasted. But as soon as, yeah, as soon as it's on him, he just, oh, wow. Doesn't want to hear the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot that sure. scene was pretty great too. Man. Yeah, that scene was like there's just so many good scenes in this freaking movie. I just I don't think I don't even think I could pick, honestly. But anyway. I like I read something not too long after I saw this movie. I, I just wanted to research a little bit. And I read that he died, the actual Jerry Heller died about a year later <laughs> after this movie was released. And his fucking lawyer like announced to like media outlets. He's like, oh, he had a heart attack while he was driving. But we think we know that the heart attack was spurned on because of how he was depicted in the film. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's oh what the lawyer God. said. I think because of like, I think it literally, at least what I've read, like last minute was um, his whole like lawsuit or whatever. Mm-hmm. It got shut down and I think 2018 so i guess his his estate didn't get the money at all oh, okay so they lost the case that's good doesn't deserve <laughs> a damn cent nothing nothing hey chico uh, all the dogs are just coming up Goodness. <laughs> uh yeah i mean paul giamatti did great as a scumbag yeah, Alex, I think you're right. I think he's just a sleazy person. <laughs> That's why he plays the character so well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paul Giamatti watches this podcast. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> we thank you for your, for your time and attention. <laughs> um, how does this movie end again? The whole um, show is Dr. Trave. That's right. That is that is the last scene. That is the last scene. Okay, yeah. Aftermath. Yeah, aftermath. And then he just walks out. Is, is that the literal last scene? Yeah. I thought I it like, was something else. <laughs> That's why I, I thought it was too. Like, is it aftermath? It the, There's footage yeah. of like end of the music videos. Yeah, like music videos and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, there's like clips of like NWA toward the end. Yeah, but it's turning just like a montage credit kind yeah, of. Because mm-hmm. then like want- credits come up. I kind of wonder if, like, you know, both him and Ice Cube kind of fought for like that last little scene. Like, <laughs> who's gonna have the last word? It's gonna be, it's gonna be me. And the doctor is like, no, I owe you for like you owe me for this. It's gonna be me. And he's like, I want the final oh, one. <laughs> I put more money down for this production. <laughs> exactly. He's like, I want my propaganda. <laughs> I want my little. <laughs> it's going going down that that rabbit hole. The reason why it's probably Dr. Dre who ended up at the end is because of his deal with Apple Records. And oh. they, they they even mention it because he they sold do. Oh. They, they even mention it, like he sold Beats as like the largest like what company acquisition oh. like at the time. Billion dollars. Billion oh. dollar deal. 
hand hand the stack over to the movie editor just right. make you laugh <laughs> make me the last thing you see in the movie <laughs> you just rewatch the movie and you see like all this product placement for apple <laughs> oh, did you hear about that though how like apparently like companies want to start doing that though they want to start putting in product placement into film oh, like re-editing film and put product placement <laughs> like so oh, I, you know what? Who knows? Maybe twenty years from now, no. by Dr. Dre, will be all yeah. over this film and places. Yeah. You know what? Amazon is gonna. Amazon just bought MGM. I'm really? so pissed. Oh, because they acquired MGM. the rights of James Bond, and yeah, for eight point five billion dollars. Oh all the streaming services. Yeah. Instead of going, yeah, yeah, instead of dealing with his his the unions that the, the union work labor that they want to, everybody wants to, yeah, they'd rather just steal with the movies. Steal with yeah. the movies. They should make like a a monopoly board, but it's movie studios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because who has who has service? Are you? <laughs> they have MGM, and then Disney now has 20th Century Fox, right? Yeah, they have yep. Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jeez. Oh, anyway, uh, it sounds like Universal's going to stick with HBO, maybe. Hopefully, uh, who, knows? who knows? Yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. Okay, that was a long discussion because I I kind of anticipated that because of just the movie. And in all the context that I've pretty much dealt with, I thought I thought I handled all of it well, honestly. Yeah. Didn't feel like it underwhelmed it or dismissed it, but like it, it brought it up and it paid it off. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, if there's anything that was left out, like go into the movie knowing that this is like produced by the people in it. So it's mm-hmm. not like mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh we here at Cinema Studs do not believe in a numerical rating system. We also don't believe in a letter grade. We just find them too inconsistent uh, as a whole. Instead, we ask in these five-year reviews, uh, what would we change as opposed to grading it? So um, again, I can't think of really much else to change uh, i don't know if anybody else could uh anybody can go i, I don't know well, i'll say mine real quick or sort of quick um i think like i mentioned earlier i kind of wish um was his face it did kind of sort of bring up the whole little beef between easy and dr dre just because i like both those two songs they're roasting each other and i did kind of wish they did um dive a little more to the la riots Maybe just like the point of view of what I mean, they kind of did, but that, it just felt more like a montage when they show the actual riot. Yeah. Rather than they're like, the rather scene. than the actual character's point of view or how they felt about all this injustice. And it just felt like it just ended. Like, I mean, obviously we know, unfortunately, what happened. Nothing literally changed since those riots, but still, it would have been nice just to see like the, the character's reaction to it. And besides that, um, well, that's, I think that's. The only changes I would do for the movie myself add more. Yeah, just add a little more, just those small scenes, but that, that's about okay. it for me. That's just, and then uh, Lakeith Stanfield, I think he did really great as Snoop Dogg. 
I think one thing that kind of hurt him that shouldn't have hurt him was the fact that all the other actors really physically resembled the characters they were playing. He didn't look like Snoop Dogg at all. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Okay, good. Thank you. Was that one guy crip walking that looked more like him at the beginning? <laughs> yeah, that's when all those signs where he does flash edits with, yeah. with the street sign. There's a guy partying. You see this one guy who looks almost identical to Snoop Dogg. Yeah, like big old bushy hair. Yeah. <laughs> we should have just hired that guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Lucky. He was yeah, he's small, but still. As soon as he opened his mouth, it was okay. <laughs> yeah, his inflection as the character was really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. And then uh, I wish I had examples of this, but I, it's, I just wrote it down as a note. There were certain, like, not a lot, but there were certain moments in the movie where it kind of felt like things were just happening the, that the characters were experiencing as opposed to like them specifically driving the story forward mm-hmm. it's like specific little things but overall it didn't happen that much but i just wrote it down as a note okay yeah. and that's it that's all i got okay alex i i finally came up with one but you can go um you know the one of the things that like kind of like i realized this like a little through through the movie is like the the camera work in the movie like i'm gonna I'm start off with the cinematography part mm. it feels like it's very like very bread and butter like there was like a few like creative shots here and there nothing like that particularly stood out if i remember there's like one like long take through like the party and like that was like one scene that uh, a lot of people talk about yeah. underwater one too yeah the it's like a crane shot yes. that takes you like everywhere mm-hmm like that one, like it, it it's kind of like like it's flashy and like maybe it like emphasizes like the you know like the magnitude and like the you know the flashiness of the party around it. But like at the end of the day, like why is it there? Like for, like for no other reason than to be flashy. And I think that the rest of the camera work is like pretty bread and butter, like reaction like shots back and forth wide shots one thing that i would say could have at least made that a little bit better is like lighting choices mm-hmm. i feel like lighting was also fairly standard and was mostly set up for um light people with lighter skin tones i don't think they did a very good job in some scenes of lighting people oh, behind yeah. darker skin tones like yeah. those that seen ran just kind of Oof, they did not do him justice. Yeah, there was like scenes where in the scene where Easy was talking to Jerry at his house, it was like you look at Jerry and he's like shadowy, like you can still make out detail, like, but he's like lit just enough. And then like the reaction shot of Easy, and he's like, he's like in it like a shadow, and like you can like make out like a little bit in his eyes, like from like probably like a bounce board or something, and like I don't know. I, it feels like there's a lot of scenes that are like they're they're dark because of the environment, but I feel like you can play with the light a little bit better in those scenes. And mm-hmm. I I looked up why they used um, the camera that they did, and I think it was it was it was a pretty good choice. Like a lot of people were like, oh, why isn't it on film if it's like a decade, you know, pick? But he wanted it to feel like a little bit more real, like a little bit more clinical, like something that is like happening had happened 
and that's where they went like the digital the red camera but yeah i would say there was there there could have been a few scenes where um the lighting choices could have like brought out a little bit more character and personality and would have just worked better with darker skin tones like using like colored lights instead of the standard like day and day nighttime filters and that's like throughout like the whole movie i don't think they really use like that much color in the lighting yeah i think now that you're bringing up the lighting i feel like the only lights that where they really got kind of created were the recording booths a little bit and the stage like when they're on stage No, I think I will piggyback off of that. It just, you're right. I, I, it's so funny. So when purchasing this, I purchased this film uh, to rent on the PS4, but it was so funny when I was like looking for the search options, there was also a bundle. It's like, oh, I could buy, you can bundle by this film and dope together oh my god for some reason <laughs> which i was like oh that's funny but like thinking about the lighting between the two films like you know what you're right the lighting done for this one i felt kind of was if anything harsh like it was kind of like almost it gave me like fluorescent lighting vibes i don't know it just yeah. it wasn't it didn't do well with the colors like it didn't it didn't work well whereas like dope everything was very nice it was a very kind of sun-kissed colors for the film i love that but then um going on to what else i would change the one thing the one scene that i felt didn't work and or could have just been done better or could have just been removed altogether was when you know dr dre is is walking into um his record studio and he's like Oh hey Tupac! Oh, how's it going? And then you just see some guy with a bandana and like you know playing like trying to mouth along to Tupac's music. That was the one scene where I was like, "This is just here for like fan service." Like this, there's no. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like there's there is no point. And I it was just like, okay, let's bring Tupac back from the dead yet again. Let's go. <laughs> It's a teaser for the the next movie, All Eyes on Me. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, An Easter egg. Hey, they sold (laughs) the shit out of it because that movie got (laughs) so quickly. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I, dang. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Alex is right about that because I did think the directorial choices on camera movement and blocking were pretty just simple pretty basic pretty safe no i'll say safe yeah safe is definitely right even though it's like an ensemble though like there should be like nice camera work where like it's covering everybody but not ignoring everybody and then it was like a really tight like portrait there were some moments like i think it was like the the F the police concert where you did see like some pretty good camera movements, like mm-hmm. crane shots. But overall, like it was just for like five seconds and then I went back yeah. to Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't see the scene when oh was it? Um, Jerry was in the audience. I think they used this crane shot for that one too. I thought that was the only one I felt like that was both impressive. Yeah. I think it's from that one scene. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, if, if, uh, I mean, some of it had like a documentary kind of feel to it because it was like a little bit of handheld. It felt like you were in the room with them. But even documentary felt like felt like when they do like a like a artist documentary, like they're recording a session. It's like they try to include like the lead vocalist and 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 the bass player like playing mm-hmm. together. You know, they like. Eh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's like, I, I feel like there was a, not much, like, it's just, yeah, really A shot, B shot, reactionary, kind of, like, yeah. Um, dang, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, for my, what I would change was, I think I would take out some of the scenes that Aaron said that, like, they're not, re- scenes not really propelling the story forward. It's just like a random fight. Uh, and then it was like, it was like, is, does he hurt? Like, can Ice Cube no longer like write or something? But like, it wasn't anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, take out some of those moments because there's like maybe two or three of those. And then I would have loved it if they added more moments, like when after the album is released, um, and just everybody in Compton is like partying like crazy, cruising down the streets, and then they're just hanging out and vibing. And they're just scraping the pavement with their freaking their back of their head. I wish there was like more scenes like that where they were like interacting with the city, like before they kind of blew up. Because I loved all the moments when they were like hanging out. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. I wish that, I wish there was a moment where they went out to go get food. I w- I wish we had seen them go get food, and then they come back and then they see that you know, uh, Easy E and Jerry are eating lobster. <laughs> that would have been nice. We brought some Roscoe's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think, that, I think that's it for me. One thing that you just reminded me of was uh, something that kind of got a little old after a while was like, like for example, like did they have like a tour bus scene where they're like talking in a tour bus? And they'd be like, oh yeah, let's do this, let's do this. And they all like high five. And then like the next shot is literally like them getting out of the bus, going to the, towards the building. And as they, as they walk towards the building, they start high-fiving again. And it's like, we get it, you're friends. That <laughs> 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 happens a lot throughout the movie. <laughs> it's just the, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, I, I think that's it. I think that's our episode, guys. I think that's our Straight out of Compton episode. All righty, Lolo. Let us know what the next movie is. So for the month of this September, we're going to review two movies, Sicario and The Lobster. Not sure which one goes first, though. Nah, me neither. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's our episode. Uh, well, wait, what will we rate it, though? What are we, are we rating it pass? Is it a pass? Is it a fail? What do we think? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, just, <laughs> stand the test of time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of forced its way. <laughs> I feel like our entire conversation is about how relevant yeah. it is, especially in like. I mean, I feel like that's kind of why I didn't bring it up. <laughs> it's literally like, it's literally like just in our lives. Honestly, we're still the yeah, exactly. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you're right, Matt. It's uh, it uh, it's it's painfully relevant. 
That's how I'm gonna describe it. <laughs> anybody, <laughs> anybody, anybody objects? <laughs> the balls to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, NWA kind of dead. Um, <laughs> oh my god, that's cool. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was our that was our discussion. Uh, for Straight Outta Compton, uh, our 2015 August release. Uh, we have our episodes for September. And uh, yeah, anybody, uh, go ahead and uh, if, if, if anybody wants to plug in anything, uh, go for it. Um, today I'm just going to plug in my Instagram because I haven't streamed on Twitch in like two months. So <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, it's been a while. When we release these, you better, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I know, for real. <laughs> Better get back on that. But you can go follow me on Instagram at Camera Vega. Dope. You can follow me on Instagram at Delanor. And if you want to follow me on Instagram for any pop culture updates or old Hollywood trivia facts or just film in general, follow me at Some Like It Matt <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, I guess you can follow me on Letterbox Alonso seventeen one hundred. I'll try to write more reviews on movies, even if they're just one sentence. But yeah, you can follow me there. You can judge my taste. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you can follow me at Let Lent V Martinez uh, on Instagram, and you can also support the company that produces this, uh, Artinas Productions. Uh, a lot of photography, some video editing, but yeah. Um. Yeah, shoot. We we gotta. We I gotta shoot. You know what? I think I'm gonna shoot some promo of us on the Super Eight, just to test it out. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> but yeah. Alrighty. Uh, thank you all for coming, and thank you for listening. Later, guys. Bye. Ciao. Peace.